Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. So we've been talking the last few weeks about what the world needs now. And what we've discovered is that what the world needs now is the people of God, you and me, filled with the spirit of God, all of God and spirit, when we trust in Jesus, lives within us. And that spirit is helping us to tell the story of God, the story of Jesus, the cross and the resurrection to the world that God loves. And we've been talking very specifically about how we can do this. And in fact, our direction comes from this letter in the Bible from a man named Paul, who writes to people like you and me about what the Spirit of God can do in the world, first starting in our world and then in the world. And he calls it the fruit of the Spirit. And he says what the world needs now is the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And then the writer's really clear. He says, I'm not talking about one of these things or a few of these things. I'm talking about all of these things. And it's not a checklist because you can't have one thing without the other. Like you can't have love without joy. You can't have peace without patience. You can't have kindness without goodness. The idea is that the world needs the spirit of God to change the hearts and the minds of those who need hope and are facing some deep rooted brokenness. And so you and I have the opportunity to help the world find what it needs when we trust in Jesus. And I love what one theologian says. He says, when we live by the Spirit, we walk in the Spirit, we walk hand in hand with Jesus, that we actually are living in harmony with the Creator and in harmony with the created. Isn't that good? I love that idea of living in harmony with God and living in harmony with those that God loves. And so today we're having our final conversation about what the world needs now. And if you're watching or if you're listening, if you're here for the first time, my name is Mike and I'm honored that you've joined us here at Active Church. We wanna help you tell a better story. And one of the best ways that you can do that is get started by sending us a message on any of our social media platforms. And we wanna help you take that next step into what God has for you. Now, in order to talk about this final thing that the world needs now, I wanna tell you a story. I have been at Active Church for almost 20 years. They haven't gotten rid of me yet, which I'm thankful for. But the first 13 years, I spent time working as the student pastor. And every Wednesday morning, I would meet with a group of high school guys and we would talk about life and we would talk about faith and there would be nothing off limits. And I remember one particular morning where I asked the most awkward question in a group of guys in that setting. I said to those boys, hey boys, how many of you, just by a show of hands, or a nod of the head. How many of you have struggled or are struggling with lust or pornography? And it was dead silent. I looked around the group and like some of the guys didn't even make eye contact with me. Like they just looked down and were eating their food. One of the guys looked at me and he just shook his head like this, just back and forth real quick. Like I'm not admitting to that. And I realized how awkward of a question it was and how we're not gonna be open. They're not gonna be open to sharing that publicly because it's embarrassing. It feels a bit shameful, right? And so what we did, because there was nothing off limits, is we began to talk about how we can talk about this and do it in a way that's helpful and hopeful. So we actually changed the terms of lust and pornography into golf game terms. We talked about bogeys and eagles and mulligans 
And at the end of the conversation, we actually had a really good discussion about what we struggle with. And I asked the boys, how many of you now are struggling in your golf game? And each one of them raised their hand or shook their head, yes. And it was a helpful, hopeful conversation for all of us. And here's what that moment taught me, and here's what I've learned about myself, and perhaps you've learned this about you as well. That we actually struggle with a lot of things, don't we? We struggle with unhealthy habits and deep-rooted issues and temptations and sins. But the thing that we struggle with even more is actually talking about those things, actually admitting to those things, like admitting to our habits and our issues and the things that tempt us and the things that we struggle with, the things that we find ourselves doing in private. I think a lot of us struggle with being authentic, being vulnerable. We live a life that pretends more often than we live a life that's genuine. And we struggle with facing what's happening inside of us. And we're not alone in that. One of the writers of the scriptures, his name is Solomon. He wrote most of the Proverbs that we have in the Old Testament of the Bible. And he actually writes this about being honest and authentic and confessing. He says, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces finds mercy. If you confess and renounce those sins, you find mercy. Now, maybe some of you hear that and go, no, 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 because I've done that. I've shared what I've struggled with and I didn't find mercy. I found judgment. And it's the reason why maybe you've stayed away from church. It's the reason why you don't interact with Christians. And it's the reason why you don't talk about anything. And you're justified in that. But here's the thing that I want to talk to you about that I think will be really helpful to you. Don't allow those that have mistreated you to determine how you're going to live your life. Because I want to invite you to actually get what's happening inside of you outside of you so that it doesn't master you anymore. Like if you didn't find mercy in that first moment of confession, keep confessing until you find someone who is showing you mercy because that's the story of God. And here's why it's so important. God can't start healing if we continue to participate in concealing. Like God can't heal you if you're gonna conceal the things that are inside of you. Like don't be Elsa from the movie Frozen. Like don't conceal and don't feel, right? Like I wanna invite you to start healing, but you have to make a decision to not conceal what's happening inside of you. I don't think our biggest struggle is what we do. I think our biggest struggle is admitting to what we do. And that's why what the world needs now is self-control. What the world needs now is transformation found through the Spirit of God. And part of that transformation, part of that inspiration, part of that better story is self-control. It's what you need now. It's what I need now. It's what the world needs now. And the truth is, we don't have much control over ourselves as we thought. I read an article recently in the Wall Street Journal by a CEO who was really struggling with anxiety. And his therapist invited him to take a piece of paper And so he set it in front of him and he drew a line down the center and on the left, he put what he can control and on the right, he put what he can't control. And it was a long list. And then he took the piece of paper and he tore it in half and he took what he can't control and he wadded it up and he threw it away and he took what he can control and he put it right in front of him. And then he realized something, that just because he can control it doesn't mean that he actually is controlling it. And I think all of us can relate to that. Just because we can control it doesn't mean that we actually are controlling it? Are we mastering it or is it mastering us? Like, are we healing or are we concealing? And so I wanna walk through what it means to participate and live in self-control. And I wanna use two men who are more brilliant than me, who have given us a definition and help shape the world and help shape the Christian world. And I think that these definitions will be helpful for all of us today. 
Pastor Tim Keller says that self-control is the ability the Holy Spirit gives to choose the important thing over the urgent thing. The important thing over the urgent thing. Dallas Willard says that self-control is the steady capacity, consistency, count on it. The steady capacity to direct yourself to accomplish what you've chosen or decided to do or decided to be, even though you don't feel like it. See, what these two men of God have understood and what Paul understands and what the Spirit of God wants you to understand is that we need a force that's bigger than our feelings. Your feelings are good servants, but they're terrible masters. Your feelings will indicate and help you to understand what's happening inside of you. But when they direct you and lead you and influence the story you're telling, you got to stop and ask the question, who is my master? Who do I serve? And I don't want my feelings to dictate my life. I want my feelings to help me understand what's happening in my life. And this is where self-control comes in. Solomon, again in Proverbs, writes these words, that a person without self-control is like a city without walls. A wall protects. A wall plays defense. I'm not talking about walls that keep people out so that you don't have to talk about things. I'm talking about boundaries and non-negotiables. And Paul says, all of us are in a battle with things that are inside of us, desires that are inside of us. And the fruit of the Spirit is where we build our walls, where we find our boundaries, where we have our non-negotiables. And that's why he says, these are so important. It's what the world needs now. It's what you need now. It's what I need now. And the truth is, if we don't have these walls, if we don't have the fruit of the Spirit or God's Spirit inside of us, then we'll end up living in a way that actually isn't helpful or hopeful or it'll destroy us. In fact, Paul says, here's what that life looks like. It's filled with sexual immorality and lustful thoughts and pornography and chasing after the things of the world instead of the things of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get your way, senseless arguments, resentment with others, temper tantrums, anger, quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behaviors. I love this list because when we read lists like this, I don't know if you do this, I do this, I'll look at the things that I don't do and I'll go, man, I'm doing well. And I'll just skip over the things that I know that I do, but I won't admit to it. I think all of us do that. And what Paul does here is he gives us an exhaustive list that would include some of the things that maybe we struggle with. And if our, our struggles aren't in this list, at the very end he says, and there's other similar behaviors. Basically he says, we're all in this together and we all need Jesus on the cross and the power of the resurrection. We need the spirit of God. It's why what the world needs now is self-control. You know, Greek philosophers would say that self-control is you choosing to master the body. But Paul actually says the very opposite of that. He says self-control doesn't come from digging down deep. Self-control comes from above. It comes from God, from the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. That same spirit is inside of you and me when we trust in Jesus. And the Spirit of God gives you the ability to choose the important thing over the urgent thing. Friends, this is why we need to choose healing and stop concealing. We need to be honest so that we can step into the better story and choose what it is that God is writing for us, the important thing over the urgent thing. This is what a man named William needed. He was struggling with a lot of things in his life, including anxiety, and he was invited to an Oxford group. And it was at this group that he turned his life over to Jesus. And he met a friend who was a doctor there. And they began to realize that they could hold each other accountable and walk through life together. And they could support and encourage and inspire each other. And they found that they were telling better stories. And they decided that they wanted to tell the world about this and invited a bunch of people to come and meet with them. And 
William, if some of you don't know, is a man named Bill W., the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. And 85 years after that first meeting, 200 million members are a part of Alcoholics Anonymous over the last 85 years. Two million just this year. And when it comes to self-control, I think we have a lot that we can learn from those in recovery. I think there's a lot we can learn from Bill W. And the thing that he learned is the thing that I hope that we all learn is that we shouldn't do this by ourselves. Like self-control isn't choosing to white knuckle it through life. Self-control is admitting that you need God's help. That you take your list of the things that you can control and you give that to God. And you say, God, I need your strength and I need your courage and I need your energy. The purpose of self-control is not to give you or to give me a more efficient and effective life. The purpose of self-control, come on, purpose of self-control is so that we could be more like Jesus in life. More love, more grace, more joy, more strength. So I want to grow in self-control. And I want you to grow in self-control. And I want to talk about what that means, but in order to get there, can I just share one really important thing with you? I know when we have conversations like this, we begin to think about the other people that need to hear this, but I want you to listen to your own heart and your own soul. I want you to be aware of what's happening inside of you. I want you to get personal. And I want you to think about the thing that's inside of you that honestly is quietly destroying you. It's getting in the way. It's causing misery. And you won't talk about it because you're afraid of it or you won't talk about it because you're ashamed of it. But what is it inside of you that is actually causing misery? What's the desire or the temptation that the brother of Jesus, James, actually writes about and says, this is why we struggle because these desires are within us and we say yes to them. What is it inside of you that's actually giving birth to actions that don't tell better stories and actually leads to death? The death of a friendship or a relationship or the death of your joy or the death of love or the death of grace in your life because you feel like you don't deserve it? What is it? Would you do me a favor? Would you just imagine that you're placing it in your hand? Would you put your hand out in front of you? I'll do it with you because I got junk too. Would you put your hand out in front of you and would you just ball up your fist and imagine you placing whatever it is, if it's one thing or if it's 10 things or if it's 100 things, placing that in your hand. And could I just speak these words over you? As you hold this in your hand, know that God loves you unconditionally, that your behavior doesn't shape the love of God for you and how he feels about you. Even if you think you're unworthy, that God loves you. We know this because of the person and work of Jesus. He announced it in a way that none of us could ignore. That God loves you. He doesn't love you as you should be. You'll never be as you should be. He loves you just as you are. And nothing can separate you from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. The cross of Jesus is bigger than your sin. You, in your worst moment, you were worth dying for. And I know that you might feel all this embarrassment and all of this shame because of whatever it is that you have in your hand, can I just tell you that Jesus loves the shame off of you? This is why we need self-control. So hold on to it, okay? Don't let it go yet. Hold on to it. And I want to talk to you about three things, because I want you to stop concealing and start healing. And in order to do that, let's grow in our self-control. So I want to give you three words and one way forward, all right? Three words. The first word is surrender. Second word is wisdom. Third word is boundaries. And then I want to give you one way forward, all right? So you're holding on to it in your hand. Let's talk about surrender for a moment. Surrender helps you heal. I want you, that thing that you placed in your hand that you've balled up in your fist, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just open your hand. Maybe even put your other hand in front of you. Friend, this is the posture of surrender. 
when you are honest about what's happening inside of you. And I get, we're all afraid of being judged. and We're all afraid of all of those things. What will people think? Listen, find mercy. And you'll find mercy when you take a risk. You'll find mercy when you're honest with God. Because that's who God is. Now, I've read a book recently, a super great book called Hope in the Age of Addiction. The author actually writes about surrender. Listen to these words of surrender. It's probably different than how you see surrender. Surrender is returning to how we are created, to what we were created for and who created us. The English word for surrender comes from the old French word, which means to give back, not give up. This isn't about raising the white flag and saying, I give up. This is about you saying, I belong to God and I'm going to give myself back to God. I was created by God, loved by God, changed by God, designed by God. I'm a child of God. I'm going to give myself back to God. I stole myself from God and I'm going to give myself back. The author continues and says, this implies that we have taken something and run away. And in surrender, we return and we give it back. In healing and recovery from addiction, the emotional and spiritual practice of surrender is an admission that there's something that we have taken from God and that we need to return to God. Isn't that good? Here's how Paul says it in the letter of Galatians. He says, keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus Christ have already experienced crucifixion for everything connected with our selfish life was put to death on the cross, crucified by Jesus. If the spirit is our source of life, we must also trust in the spirit and his direction in every aspect of our life. Like surrender is recognizing that God wants our good in life. God wants your good. God wants my good. God isn't looking to throw down on you and condemn you. That's not who God is. And I don't care if you've been taught that, let's change the narrative because that's not the God that we see in Jesus Christ. God wants your good. So surrender, raise the white flag, give back to God. And that's how we grow in self-control. That's how we stop concealing and start healing. Second word, wisdom. Wisdom helps you heal. So get God's perspective. Get the people of God's perspective. Surround yourself with people that are going to help you tell a better story, the story that Jesus is writing for you, that he began on the cross and through the resurrection. Like, have you ever thought about what God thinks? I think often when we think about what God thinks, we start with the negative. But have you, have you ever thought about what God thinks about you? Like he sent Jesus for you. He loves you and he wants you to live a life of joy. He wants to give you life. Jesus even said that. I think often we tend to seek wisdom in moments of tension and crisis. But what self-control teaches us is that we seek wisdom in major and in minor moments. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus says, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God and he will give it to you happily and plenty. Solomon says in Proverbs that wisdom starts with humility. You gotta ask. I know we're afraid. I get it. I get that's part of the narrative. Let's just move into a courageous moment, into a courageous life and say, hey, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to conceal. I, I want to heal. And so let me ask you this question. Who helps you seek wisdom? I have two great friends here at Active Church Ukaipa. They just recently went to Mount Rushmore and put all the photos on social media. So I got to live vicariously through them. And they got really close to the mountain. And on that mountain, you're familiar with it, I'm sure are the faces of major influencers, major leaders, major presidents that have influenced and shaped our nation. And I began to think about like, who's, who's on my Mount Rushmore of wisdom speakers? Like who helps lead my life and speak into my life? Who does that for you? Like who are the four or five people that you could go to? Maybe you're thinking, I don't have anybody. Okay, great. 
So let's start praying for somebody. Let's start asking God to open your eyes to who's around you. Because I guarantee you, there's some really great wisdom around you. You just haven't tapped into it because you haven't asked. Let's stop concealing. Let's start healing. Let's participate in self-control. By the way, self-control doesn't mean that you do this by yourself. That's why we surrender to God. And that's why we ask and seek wisdom from others. Third word, boundaries. Boundaries help you heal. They're like the guardrails on the road. They're the non-negotiables in life. And when I talk about self-control, I think often we talk about the things that we shouldn't do. But self-control actually is about the things that we should do as well. Like, think about this for a moment. What are some of the non-negotiables that you have in your life or should have in your life? What are some things that you want to say yes to? Like, I don't negotiate that. That's who I am. This is the story I want to tell. And I'm not negotiating this. I'm saying no, because that's not who I am. That's not the story I want to tell. Very practically, like, what do you need to get rid of in your life? What do you need to delete? What do you need to toss out? What do you need to throw out? What do you need to stop doing? And then when you think about the things that you should do, where do you need to start? Like, do you need to create a budget? Like, do you need to build in a date night? Or maybe you need to set aside some time to actually listen to the wise voices in your life. What boundary should you create today? Because boundaries help you heal and we're not gonna conceal anymore because we wanna participate in self-control. We wanna help bring to the world what the world needs now and we need that right now as well. Now, those are the three words to help us grow in self-control. Surrender, wisdom, boundaries, If you missed it, you can always rewind and listen to it again. But I want to give you one application to move forward. Peter, who spent three years with Jesus, kind of a knucklehead, kind of dynamic, kind of crazy, would run through a wall for Jesus and then would have like sweet moments with Jesus. I love Peter because I think he represents a lot of us, if not all of us. He writes in his letter, talking about this very idea. He says, therefore, in light of all that we've talked about, in light of this conversation about what the world needs now, in light of self-control, Therefore, with minds that are alert, like we're aware of what's happening inside of us now. We're not ignoring it. We're not going to conceal. We're going to choose to heal. And with a mind that's fully sober, I love that word sober, meaning like it's not influenced by anything, any chemicals, anything that we've put in our body. It's influenced by the Spirit of God. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at the coming age. Like his point is this. You want self-control? Believe the best is yet to come because it is. Because there's going to be a day where there is no more tears and there is no more pain and there is no more sorrow and there is no more brokenness. Like, you're not even going to have to have faith. You're going to be face to face, eyeball to eyeball with the Son of God, with Jesus Christ. And you're not going to have these struggles anymore. You're going to have Jesus and those that he loves. And you're going to be there too. And it's going to be a powerful moment of healing. And Jesus says, and Peter says, until then, the Spirit of God is available to you. When you trust in Jesus, he fills you and it gives you what you need now and what the world needs now. It helps you to choose the important thing over the urgent thing. It helps you heal, not conceal. Until then, trust in the Spirit of God. Trust in Jesus because that's what the world needs now. It's you choosing to live in harmony with God and harmony with the people of God. Want to grow in self-control? Wisdom, surrender, boundaries. It all begins when you decide, I don't want to conceal this anymore. I want to heal. Maybe you need a place. Active Church has a place for you. It's called Active Recovery. It meets every Thursday night at 6.30 at our Yukaipa location. And it's not just for those with 
what you would say are normal addictions, right? Alcohol and drugs. It's for everybody. And it might be your first start, your first step. Maybe that's not what you're ready for. Maybe it's heart for the house. This Wednesday night, heart for the house begins at Active Church Ukaipa, 6.30. We would love for you to come and learn what it means to tell a better story. We would love for you to know and be known and explore what it means to tell the story of God to the world that God loves. Don't do this alone. Self-control isn't you just doing it by yourself. Self-control is you trusting that there is a spirit of God, a God of the universe who has given himself to you and to me so that we can live a life of joy and of love and tell better stories. Live in harmony with God and harmony with others. Don't do this by yourself. It's what the world needs now and it's what you and I need today. Could I pray for you? Heavenly Father, this conversation has been such a gift to all of us. And it's been in your scriptures for generations. Thank you for pulling out these truths, this inspiration, this life-changing story. Helping us to understand that we don't have to live this way, that we actually can choose to live in a new way, your way. And so we thank you, God, for the way that you love us. We thank you, God, for the way that you've forgiven us. We thank you, God, for the way that you announced it, that we can't deny it. We can't put it aside. Even if we feel like we're unworthy, you have said, oh, you're so worthy because Jesus died and rose again. So fill us with your Holy Spirit. And may we live in harmony with you and in harmony with those that you love. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray all of these things. And together we say amen and amen and amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local to the Redlands or Ukaipa area, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. in Ukaipa and 10 a.m. in Redlands. See you next time.